0: Dan Carell, CEO of the Digital Commerce Alliance, and this is Commerce Code, a biweekly digital commerce podcast for leaders in card linking, loyalty, and digital marketing, mobile wallets and payments, and financial data. Thanks for joining this running conversation with leaders in the industry. And if you like this podcast, come join us at a Digital Commerce Alliance event. You can learn more at www.digcomall.org.
1: This week, Dan is talking with Ed Wogan from Value Dynamics and Mitch Jacobs from Plink. Ed Wogan is the chief merchant officer for Value Dynamics. Value Dynamics is a leading provider of global loyalty commerce and personalized offer networks. Mitch Jacobs is the founder and CEO of Plink. Plink is an online platform that enables small businesses to create and grow relationships and transactions with targeted consumers in their own neighborhoods. Value Dynamics is partnering with Plank to enable credit unions and other financial institutions to include key local merchants in their cashback programs. On today's episode of Commerce Code, Dan, Ed, and Mitch are talking about how financial institutions can maximize their data and digital banking infrastructure to provide relevant daily value to credit union and banking customers why it's important to tie together a digital presence for local merchants who matter most to consumers, how this new capability impacts the competitive and collaborative dynamic between FIs and fintech companies. Stay tuned for a deep dive into partnerships designed to drive engagement for each member of the consumer, merchant, and FI ecosystem. Commerce Code is sponsored by Pentadata the all-in-one financial data API. Whether it is bank account data, credit card transaction data, or credit reports and credit scores, Pentadata has it all in one simple and easy-to-use API. With coverage of over 6,000 banks, over 200 million credit files, and 60 million merchants, you can get all the data you need for your apps at pentadatainc.com.
0: Mitch and Ed, thank you so much for joining us on Commerce Code. Excited about this conversation today. Uh, let me just start. Where are you joining us from?
2: Hi, Dan. Great to be with you today. I am speaking to you from
3: sunny but chilly Boston. And this is Mitch, and good to be with both of you. I'm joining
0: from Los Angeles. Let's just dive in. I'm, you know, Mitch, your career, I think, is an interesting backdrop to the conversation where we're, where we're headed. And you know, you've been a serial entrepreneur. So I'd love to just maybe get the highlights or outline of, of that journey in payments. Sure. So
3: today I have hard to believe, but almost 30 years of payments experience on the merchant side and on the issuing side within the infrastructure and at the application level. How I got there was it started with delivering pizza. I was a student at Dartmouth and knew that you know as the student ID card had transformed from being just an ID into a form of payment on campus, I could see that the businesses around the campus were getting crushed, and so built a store value payment system, basically a local payment system that really did all the kinds of things that I think a lot of us wish we could get today. I mean, it was a, we were able to deliver a very very personalized experience because we had this really cool closed loop. And we did that on about 300 campuses. One of the things I heard along the way all the time was, wish you could do this with our MasterCard Visa. You know, we'd hear that from merchants, we'd hear it from cardholders. And that led, after I exited the first company, led to launching and acquiring and issuing processor. And so there I had the experience of being really one of the first venture-backed third party payment platforms in the MasterCard Visa world. And we were doing everything. And what I experienced was that, man, that's a lot of work. And you spend all of your time trying to defend against intrusion and spend all of your time trying to stay certified to MasterCard and Visa. And we really never got to that point where we could innovate the way we wanted to. So I exited that business and in 2007, sort of switched over to the application layer. So built a company called OnDeck. The idea was use the payment rails for data for underwriting and and efficient servicing and solve the the small business problem, that company went public. And I think it's loaned over $15 billion. With Plink, that's kind of my fourth act here. And we're recognizing that there's, you know, the proliferation of mobile, the change in third-party data, the shift to open banking, now is the right time to create a platform so that we can embed life-changing experiences in the cards we already use. And so that's our mission and what we're working on with VDX to achieve.
0: You know, Ed, you've had a, a wide range of experiences as well, kind of involving disruptions in the market. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the partnership with Plink. and I know we said in the intro here what you guys are doing together. But you know, in your mind, how does that partnership kind of relate to disruption? Because what Mitch has just described is a series of different, you know, I think classic innovations, disruptions from below, you know, starting appropriately on a college campus, stored value cards and just a great story. And, and it's the way disruption is thought to work. I just wonder how this partnership with Plink kind of represents that for uh, card linked offers.
2: I think to your point, innovation is certainly central to the core of our partnership and the proposition. And, you know, we are building something that we feel is really an unrivaled solution that leverages Collins and Value Dynamics' more than 30-year loyalty and affinity expertise with data-centric solutions and the consumer really at their core. So that's what we're really excited about. What's unique about the partnership with Plink and NCR is that our deployment of purchase rewards is structured to truly drive that relevance and value that we represent in the financial service sector via NCR's digital banking platform and network. So we feel we really have the opportunity to collectively create some meaningful and valuable disruption.
0: I assume that, you know, NCR obviously having an enormous amount of data and Mitch, your, your background being, you know, thinking critically about how to use data effectively in order to do better work in financial services. So would love to just learn a little more about the partnership with Value Dynamics and kind of what is it about Plink that you're doing and what's kind of behind that relationship with Value Dynamics? I look at
3: kind of like Plink and Value Dynamics as the value chain that we need to finish a transformation that... You know, it began 30 years ago when the knuckle buster, if everyone can remember the, you know, imprinting cards gave way to swiping through terminals. And so today cash is dead. Pretty amazing feat, just 30 years. So 4 billion people connected to 80 million businesses conducting 30 trillion dollars of volume. But it only does first grade math. And so when you make a transaction, there's addition and subtraction. Chat GPT in 200 milliseconds can write a college level paper and our payment network can only add and subtract. And so what we realized was the applications are too limited in the payment network. The data is too messy. What needed to be kind of added in order to get to the sort of like personalized, frictionless experiences we all want is we've got to elevate the transaction network. And so, a Plink Creator was this smart transaction processor. And in real time, we can take data, and your point about NCR is a great one, where digital banking platform naturally has a ton of core data, could be issuing data, and we cleanse the messy data and store and maintain the data in a new ledger, where instead of just your balance being something that's available, all of the different financial metrics that can help you have a better financial life or a business have a more profitable business, are all stored and kept updated with a totally anonymous token. We never know who anyone is. And then every time a transaction occurs, we're able to apply success criteria. The metric just changed when the transaction occurred. Was that a good change or a bad change, or was it just business as usual? And you know what smart transactions are able to do is to predict the optimal future. What is the best outcome for Dan and what action needs to be taken to achieve that outcome, then the next thing the system does is actually perform the action. So if that's publishing an offer for a personalized price or for a loan, but some type of personalized action, and then publish that to a user interface. So we built this amazing platform, but one of the things that we needed was someone to adopt it and a user interface, basically digital banking being the perfect example and VDX was working on this amazing program with NCR and so when we approached them about this they said well that's interesting but here's what our real need is you know these community financial institutions need local businesses in their program and local is a really hard data challenge and it requires a really precise system and that's what we built for. So it was pretty easy for us to say, yeah, we'll take on that problem so that we can get adoption of our platform. And so it was a really classic example of just sort of, you know, pairing kind of a, a problem with a real market need. And then what VDX was doing, which I think was the perfect pairing for, you know, how far we had gotten in the development.
0: Ed, I was going to go to you next on this because I, I love that story and it makes complete sense as to kind of how it would flow that way. My editorial comment is that the final stage of integration, which I expect to be many years away, is connecting my grand old creamery, which is near us, it's an ice cream place, with with my future cardiologist. I mean, I don't really have one yet, but I'm, I surely will if I keep hitting the grand old creamery as hard as I do. So, Ed, I would be interested to kind of hear... As you bring in like the NCR part of the story, and, and, and Mitch has mentioned this, but you're working closely with NCR, Value Dynamics is building out their purchase rewards solution for their FI partners. So I'm just interested to how does Plink kind of play into that and and why is that important?
2: It is really a critical component of our go forward and strategic plan. And you know, we've got a very strong and valued partnership with Plink that we feel is really Complementary to creating a unique and compelling consumer experience for all of NCR's banking partners and ultimately their consumers who participate in Purchase Rewards. So, Purchase Rewards, which is accessible either via desktop or mobile app, combines meaningful national merchant content, travel related content, and attractions, and community centric content, which is a critical cornerstone in a very comprehensive and meaningful consumer experience. So we're really proud of the work that we're doing with both NCR and Plink, and we feel that we are creating something that will be truly market leading and a benchmark for judging future success.
0: So whenever you look at these things from the perspective of a you know sophisticated organization like NCR, for example... One of the questions is, couldn't they just do this in-house? Like, what's the competency or capability that you guys kind of bring to the table? They've, I'm assuming that what's going on here is that they've got you know, rich data and the relationships with the financial institutions and that kind of stuff. And so the question is, like, what's, I guess, the hardest thing or what's the nut of what you're bringing to the table that a company like NCR says, yeah, that's great. We don't want to try to do that in-house or we, or, you know, we can't or whatever. That's what I'm wondering.
2: You know, what we bring is an end-to-end solution that is truly the heart of the program. So we manage a lot of critical components that support the valuable data that NCR collects on a regular basis. And by that, I mean, specifically, we go out and source merchant content. We power the user experience. We provide a tremendous amount of marketing support. And by that, I mean, both direct-to-consumer and B2B. And then we also help manage the aggregation, reporting, and interpretation of the data And Plink also plays a large role in that as well, which I'll let Mitch expand upon. But we really pride ourselves on the fact that in conjunction with NCR and our strategic partner, Plink and Travel.Win, that we are creating a turnkey solution for which financial institutions reap the benefits and provide meaningful value to their consumers.
0: Yeah. Mitch, I'd be interested in your angle too on kind of what's the distinctive value proposition for, you know, from a perspective of NCR, looking at what you can do with data there at Plink.
3: I think that in this next generation where what today is value added services and it's all kind of done offline. So there may be consultants and marketing agencies or different analytics groups and app developers that create experiences that, you know, happen offline from the network. I think what what we have with NCR is NCR is a part of your everyday experience with your financial services if you're at one of their 600 financial institutions. And so, you know, that job that they have is all-encompassing and very very taxing. You know, they're handling the digital banking, they're handling the account opening and the loan origination and all of you know the things that have made this kind of analog to digital transformation, that's the focus of their platform. Kind of as I described with my own background when I was running and acquiring an issuing processor, there's just no time and no resources to be able to do everything. And so something like the package that Plink and VDX represent this sort of taking data from its messy kind of useless state through something that's really working on behalf of the consumers of those financial institutions, the businesses in their footprint, and really changing the experience that all of these stakeholders have is something that takes a village of partners. And I think that the leading platforms like NCR are recognizing that to achieve that full potential, they need to bring partners in to do those different things. So, you know, I think we've brought to the table resources that are complementary to theirs. And the end result is just a greater experience and package for everyone.
0: We talk about structured and unstructured data, you know, in general. And I, I think in certain kinds of commercial data and transactional data in the retail uh, aren't just unstructured. It's like the floor of a teenager's room. And so, you know, what I'm getting is that you guys have got, you know, kind of the capability of making sense out of that stuff and making it work for people.
3: Yeah, it's it's an interesting value chain right because it starts with just cleansing, classifying and enriching. And there are a lot of companies out there that, you know, are working on doing that in the plaid ecosystem or, you know, in different versions of plaid that exist in countries around the world, but doing it for the fi itself and then going the next step or the next several steps of like, okay, all that does is remediate some of the issues that result from the kind of history of, you know, Mastercard, Visa and where the transactions come from. Once you have the clean data, one of the problems you're left with is it's always one party. Cuz if you're cleaning data on the acquiring side, it's just about a merchant. If you're cleaning data on the issuing side, it's just about a consumer. And so the next step is you have to resolve who you know we work from cardholder data. So we're looking at the merchant which is totally unknown to the system on the issuing side. And so we find the merchant in the real world. We crawl all sorts of databases and create a rich profile of the merchant, well, that's the first time in payments history where the merchant and consumer are now on one platform. And then from there, we're able to go and develop insights and action. And so it really is a full value chain that goes well beyond just the cleansing of the data itself, which is that first step.
0: You had said that among the opportunities here is is local businesses. And I'm you know thinking through... The data conversation that we've just been having it, it occurs to me that that may introduce an extra layer of challenge or complexity, just in the sense that if you're dealing with a national retailer like, you know, Best Buy or Target or or, or Walmart, presumably there's consistency at least internally in terms of how they operate. But if you're talking about local retailers, uh, you know, there might be a little bit more more challenging. But in any event, you know, one way or the other, you have sort of engaged with that at Plank. Curious how you think about that local piece. And, and Mitch, maybe you've, once you've had some thoughts, you know, I'd be interested to hear from Ed as well on that.
3: I'd be curious to hear if Ed sort of feels the same way at a national level. But we sort of look at it as like all businesses local. Every physical location business just cares about their trade area. That's it. End of story. And so one of the things that's amazing about payment data is it's it's very deterministic. Everything else is an abstraction, right? Cell phone towers, IP proxies. That doesn't really tell you the true story of where money is being spent. And so determining the trade area of a merchant, the merchants within the footprint of that trade area, and the overlapping or separate groups of customers is the challenge of local, and I think that, I mean, turn it over to Ed, but I think that is the same whether you're talking about a Delhi or a Chipotle.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree, Mitch, and I think to Dan's earlier comment that, you know, all business is local. We certainly would agree, even though our focus is slightly shifted away from community-related content to more national in scope, but in addition to all business being local, We really believe that all engagement needs to be personal, and you know that's the way that we think about the future value of what we're building with Plink and with NCR, and ultimately their bank partners and consumers. And you know we are building a holistic solution that is data-driven and you know consistent with delivering value to consumers based on what's important to them and relevance.
0: Kind of connecting back to this data conversation. So again, in the nature of kind of catchphrases. Or big ideas. We've been talking about data as the the oil, you know, of the 21st century. Another phrase is the idea that data is the gift that nobody wants because information is costly. It's it's funny to actually consider that you know late 20th century economists, sort of somebody got the Nobel Prize in economics essentially for having that observation of like, no, 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 information is incredibly expensive. Now that's completely obvious to us, probably because the complexity of information has risen so much. We've likened it to the the you know right at the floor of a teenager's room. And as you've talked about, Mitch, you know that that's a competency at Plink is to is to make the stuff usable. So, would love to just hear a little bit more, I guess, about the Plink model, kind of how it uses data in a unique way, and the goal is to create more more relevance and how that can kind of be monetized.
3: Since I had had the experience in the past of working in you know in small communities, where we're working with plenty of large. National brands and businesses, but also with a lot of community businesses and community banks. I think I had sort of an early insight into the idea that insights are a false peak. It's like if you've ever gone hiking, you reach that point and you're like, oh, I'm at the top. And then you realize that once you get there, you're like, oh no, I've got miles and miles of steep hiking to go before I actually get to the real peak. And today it's impacting large organizations in a huge way, even though they have tons of resources. They cannot get from insights to action. And so one of the things that the VDX and Plink teams, when we sat down and sort of mapped this all out, we're like, all right, well, we're going to deliver insights. But what we really know is that it's all about the action. FIs want greater interchange revenue. They want more DDA account conversion. They want more cards in circulation. They want more commercial accounts. They want more loans. They want deeper digital engagement. Merchants, new customers, incremental spend from current customers, and defending and protecting revenue they already have. And for us as consumers, it's maximizing the value of our dollars, the social impact, and many other things that are important to us personally. And none of those parties are aiming for insights. They're aiming for those results. And I think what's amazing about what VDX has pulled together is the first real platform where you can get from a purchase actually getting all the way through, published into the user interface that they manage, the actual actions that make the difference. And so I think that's a really cool thing about what we're doing is we've made action in the DNA of the information which I don't think has been done before.
0: I know that you'd gone to the uh, NCR Innovation Conference at the end of last year, and would be interested to just kind of hear about your conversations with the banks, with the credit unions, and kind of their response to this partnership. And I, for my part, I guess I'd be well, I'd be interested in both, but I'd be interested in the credit union side. In your mind, how, how is it a little different there, or is it really the same message or the same interest that you get from the credit unions as opposed to the banks?
2: So during the course of the Innovation Summit, Dan, we had the pleasure of meeting with literally hundreds of NCR's financial institution partners And really gleaned perspective from banks and credit unions of varying sizes, volumes of asset under management and support and needs requirements. They clearly demonstrated to us that an opportunity to differentiate themselves with their consumers in their communities was something that purchase rewards could really help deliver. We listened really carefully and we came away with a whole new set of perspective around what's important to them. And that was inclusive of marketing support, of outbound communications, of clear and concise reporting, and really understanding the value that the program could bring. So we felt that going to their summit and engaging with their FI customers really reiterated the fact that we were onto something really meaningful and important.
3: I think one of the things that stood out was, you know, these community financial institutions, certainly credit unions in particular, because I think they just go a notch higher in terms of their You know, commitment to membership. But both the community banks and the credit unions really want to manifest their community connection and not just through kind of branding and having their banners up on the Little League wall or, you know, important work they might do in the community philanthropically, but if they could make their actual financial products and technology connected to the community, then you know that would be such a powerful way for them to express their brand. And so what VDX is doing is pulling together this kind of community network through their work with us and with NCR. And that really struck a chord for those community financial institutions. The other thing I'd just say is someone's been around the innovation side of this for a while. I think this is really a golden age because We have all these parties on the same page, startups, more established companies, you know, as Ed just pointed out, the client. And I think that just is going to lead to some of the most exciting innovation in this space. And we're really, really looking forward to the years ahead.
0: You know, having a, a kind of the full ecosystem is probably what it takes to solve a problem of this. Know, complexity level, you know, there, you've got all these different players that need to come in in order to be able to deal with the, you know, there's the data complexity thing that we've talked about, but there's obviously all the constraints and, and incentives, right, of the different players to how do we bring it together. You could kind of view the thing from a bit of a distance and say, boy, it is crazy that it's so hard um, to take your example for a local credit union to, in a sense, sort of activate its, its commercial relationships with their customers in, in a way that sort of goes beyond the, you know, the T-ball team sponsorship or whatever, the things that are, that have been honestly around for decades and decades. It'll take more work and glad to see you guys uh, behind that. Any other, I guess, final comments, you know, on this conversation, things we maybe didn't cover. I'd love to just get your perspective, I guess, on where you think this thing is heading this year and in the coming years, because we see uncertainty, but we also see this energy and optimism. And frankly, when you look at employment numbers, you look at everything else, you know, yeah, we've got some interesting economic times, but, you know, people are still doing okay. And so we may have a pretty cool year ahead of us. I wonder what you guys think 23 will look like.
2: Based on trends and data that we see on other sides of our house, consumers are still out there aggressively traveling, which is traditionally a harbinger of how spending will fall into line. I think to your point, there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty. For most american households and that translates into a value-centric mindset where saving where they can while still deriving value is
3: really important yeah i think we've got some natural attributes that make us sort of pot you know that that a recessionary cycle isn't all bad news for the work we're doing you know actually could intensify the demand for it but I think longer term, like this idea of embedding better experiences within the financial services you already have, is not something that's cyclical. It is a you know it's a structural transition. And so, if we end up with a even a deep recession, you know, it'll slow everything down. So it could slow down some of the adoption here. But I, I think as as we come out of that recession, everything will just accelerate and. You know, the long-term trend is the kind of things that Ed and I, you know, we're talking with you all about today. This is where everything's going. There's no sort of economic cycle that I think will stop that from happening.
0: That's a great point. Things that are better, they're not cyclical, they're not counter-cyclical they're acyclical, I guess, whatever. The the iPhone was introduced in 2007. And and I suppose if you looked, you could maybe discern a slight reduction in adoption of smartphones through the experience (laughs) we had in 08 and 09. But for the most part, what was happening was it was just better. And so I think, you know, I take your point that if you can embed these experiences and simply make existing financial services, you know, better for consumers, it's just going to be better no matter what, right? And that that adoption is going to take place. And Ed, to your point, yeah, I mean, the mindset, it's been very interesting, right, consumer psychology over the last couple of years, because even when things were objectively very good, people weren't inclined to be optimistic, really, because of inflation, we'll see what happens with that. But the employment numbers continue to be pretty, pretty nice. And so hopefully we can engineer here a, a positive way forward on the broader economy and then the ground level. And I love the local focus and I love kind of the main street look at, at retailers and, and hopefully they can maintain their vitality with, with help from work that you're doing at Value Dynamics and at Plink. So excited about that. And thanks so much for a great conversation today, gentlemen. It's been, it's been fun and I've certainly learned a lot and I look forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks so
2: much, Dan. Thank you, Dan.
1: Code is brought to you in part by VantageScore. Nine of the top 10 banks and over 3,000 leading banks and fintechs use VantageScore to predict and manage repayment risk. Learn more about the latest advances in credit scoring and how to grow your lending business by leveraging financial inclusion at VantageScore.com. Commerce Code is a bi-weekly podcast bringing you conversations with executives who are leading the way in digital commerce. If you like Commerce Code, your company should join the Digital Commerce Alliance and become part of our mission of advancing trade for good through standard setting, industry networking, conferences, and best practice sharing. Check out our website at www.digcomall.org. On behalf of DCA, have a great week.